Amen. Amen. What a glorious song that is. I hate to step up in the middle of that song, but um, <laughs> yes. Um, so good to be with you here this morning. So good to see you. And uh, I see people that I haven't seen in a while, and I see people that I see all the time, and it is a joy to see every one of you. Yes, 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 yes. Um, let me see where I start here. Uh, let me give you my New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions. Uh, hopefully we'll have them in the, in the uh, beacon next week and, and weeks subsequent to that. Um, I give you these, not in a, pers- a particular order, but just this is what the New Year's resolutions, uh, resolutions are that I have for you. Uh, uh, you may disagree with them, uh, no problemo. Uh, but these are the ones that I came up with. Uh, and like I said, they are not in any particular order, so not in, in order of importance. They are just in, in a, a randomly. Um, one of the resolutions that I have for us is a new level of love, kindness, consideration, and victory in marriage and otherwise. Okay? In marriage, husband and wife, and otherwise, brothers and sisters. Okay? I thought maybe somebody would just, amen or something. Okay, no problem. Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, in 2020, win at least one person to Christ. In 2020, win at least one person to Christ. You're not limited to one. You can win 10, okay? But win, be, be intentional about winning somebody to Christ. And if you're not intentional, you'll just be nice to people, but you never get to the point of where you're leading them to Christ. We actually pray with them <clears throat> to lead them to Christ. So win one person. Then thirdly, Disciple making. We talked about it in the evening service uh, last week, I think it was, or the week before, um, about disciple making. And we'll, we'll talk some more about that uh, because the, the, the difference in disciple making is that you have to make disciples. <laughs> Profound. <laughs> I just wanted you to laugh a little bit. <laughs> it looks so serious. Like I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a, a bitter pill to, to chew on with, with my resolutions. These are good things. Disciple making. That is to say that one Christian, brother or sister, comes alongside another brother or sister and shows them the ways of the Lord. It is not that anybody has arrived at any place of perfection, it is just that if you are an older brother with more experience, you've been a Christian a longer time, and you have something to share with another brother, then do it. Ask God who it is that you need to be like a partner with, a mentor to, a discipler to, okay? And we'll talk some more about that because I hope that in 2020, we'll have a great emphasis on discipleship. I should say disciple making because there's a difference. Uh, I desire for you, and I, I want to uh, put a, a bug in your ear to facilitate for you 
to have physical, financial, and spiritual health. Physical, financial, and spiritual health. Physical, to do the things that you need to do, that you know to do, that facilitate good physical health. Right? You may not know the right thing to do, because they come up with new things all the time. Oh, they told me the other day that salt was bad, and now they tell me that salt is good. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so, uh, but whatever you know to do, we know one thing for sure, that sugar is poison. No ifs and buts about it. Sugar makes in your body a climate for disease. So the less sugar that you can have, the better off you are. And it doesn't matter if you're young or old, because people don't get sick in one day. They practice getting sick. It takes some time, some time, some time, some time, boom, and all of a sudden they say sick. Oh, what happened? No, you're getting sick over here. It just showed up over here. It just manifested itself over here. So, um, whatever you can do. Live the life of overflow. <laughs> See, when I say that, a lot of people think, oh, I can, I can use an overflow of money. <laughs> I'm not talking about overflow of money. I'm, not talk, I'm talking about an overflow in spiritual strength, Amen. which translates in the physical realm as well. Yes? Okay? Spiritually, if I love my wife like I'm supposed to, hey, things are good at home. If I don't love my wife like I'm supposed to, maybe they're not as good. It's just that simple. If I love my neighbor like I'm supposed to, things are good in the neighborhood. Amen. If I don't, maybe they are not so good. So it is a spiritual deal that we're talking about that manifests itself also in the physical. Or sometimes maybe in, even in the material. And then last but not least, like I said, these are not in any particular order. Last but certainly not least, I am hoping that in 2020, God will stoke a fire in the bellies of our youth. A fire in the bellies of our youth. Yes, yes. That God will do that. I don't know how to do it. I can just encourage and stimulate. But God can build a fire. I want him to even fan my fire. Yes. Okay. <laughs> These are the New Year's resolutions. I'm so glad that you got so excited about them. That, 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 that's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, even though you didn't jump on the pew, I know you're excited about it. Today, I would like to visit with you a little bit about encouragement. Encouragement. And in particular, biblical encouragement. What do we find in the scriptures that we can hang our head on, so to speak, and say, this is what I need to be doing? Um, so, when you're looking at the scriptures, there are several words in the original language that have to do with encouragement. And an encouragement meaning the idea of admonish, advocate, beseech, comfort, consolation, counsel even, exhort, encourage. Those are some of the words that will pop up if you're looking for the word encouragement in the original language. And then you have, so you have 
a word meaning several things. Then you have also several words that mean one thing. Several words in the original language, but they all come down to encouragement. All right? So, but today we'll talk about the word encouragement that in the original language is parakaleo. Can you say parakaleo? Ah, uh, some of you. Parakaleo. Yes, it's not that hard. Parakaleo. And it is a, 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 a word that is translated these different meanings that I gave you. To advocate, to encourage, to beseech, to comfort, to these type of words. And also to encourage, to exhort, and so on and so forth. So typically, when we talk about encouragement, it is basically comes down to this. To make somebody feel good. To make somebody feel better. Somebody's not feeling so good. So I give you a couple of examples. Uh, this person is feeling down, so I encouraged him a little bit. I made him feel a little bit better. Okay? This is her boyfriend quit on her, so I, I tried to encourage her a little bit. Make her feel a little bit better about the situation. I, I would tell her, he was not a good boyfriend to you anyways. He doesn't deserve you. Let him go. It was a waste of time. I've checked him out a little bit. Let him go, okay? You, you, you are much too, too beautiful, uh, much too nice a person to have such a bum. Try to lift it up a little bit. Uh, somebody lost their job. Try to pick him up a little bit. Make him feel better about the fact that they lost the job. Somebody... Don't think they can make it to the tennis team or the football team or the volleyball team or whatever. And I try to tell them, hey, you know what? I, I try to encourage them. Make, make them feel a little bit better. Hey, you know what? If you just put in a little bit of work, I have no doubt about it that you'll make the team. Make them feel, try to make them feel a little bit better. Uh, so this is what typically we think of when we think of the word encouragement. And that is good. Because that is part of it. But that certainly is not the whole of it. Because biblically, when we're looking at the biblical meaning, it has more to do with the will of God than to make somebody feel good. Now, let me be clarifying it. I'm not saying these are opposites. No, they're both in the same package. Making them feel better about doing the will of God. You follow what I'm saying? Just to make somebody feel good is not biblical encouragement. Because when you're watching pornography, I, I, don't, wanna, I don't want to feel good about that. My job is to tell you, hey, hey, stop that nonsense. And feel good about not doing it. And doing the will of God. Okay? When somebody is cheating somebody else, making a little bit of money, but they're cheating, okay, that is not the will of God. So I don't want them to feel good about that. I'm not trying to encourage, hey, you're such a nice guy. I'm so sorry that you're cheating, but you're such a nice guy. No, I want to tell him, hey, don't do it. Do the will of God and feel good about it. Now, will everybody always feel good about doing the will of God? 
I don't think so. Because the flesh always has something to say about that. Right? But ultimately, as we are maturing in Christ, we ought to feel good about doing the will of God. Is that, is that a fair statement to you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, I'm going to give you today... Oh, let me just say this, that we, we start this with small children when they are trying to walk. Come on. You, you can do it. Come on. Come on. Oh, yes. You made such a good walk. You try to encourage the little one as he's trying, as he's trying to learn the bike. <laughs> I ran behind my kids. <laughs> so that they don't fall because if they fall, they get discouraged. So I ran behind them. In those days, I could still run. I ran behind them. I got you. I got you. Trying to encourage them to learn to ride a bike. Trying to encourage them to learn to swim and so on and so forth. I. This is not a laughing matter, but maybe you laugh a little bit. I, I laughed a little bit. I still laugh a little bit. But uh, when I was a young guy playing tennis, I was 15 years old. There was a lady that liked to learn to play tennis. But she had no idea how a tennis ball behaves, right? Glenn, he's a, he's a master, talented guy. When I touch you the ball, when I go like this, it goes to you, right? She didn't know that that's how the ball behaved. When I tossed it to in her direction, she thought the ball could go there or could go there. She had no idea. She had never had an experience with a, a play ball. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh. So at one point, I tossed her 100 tennis balls. She made contact with 10. Five of those were by accident. <laughs> but I thought to myself, she just doesn't know yet. Because once she experiences how the ball behaves, she might be able to learn that. It is not in her, whole, in her head that the ball has to go there when I toss it to her. She just thinks it could do anything it wanted to do. But when she, once she got to, be, to understand that the ball goes toward a certain place in the direction where you toss the ball, then she got a little bit of the idea. She learned to play tennis. I was 15 years old, trying to encourage her to enjoy the game of tennis like I did. At that point, I wanted everybody to enjoy the game of tennis. Like at this point, I want everybody to enjoy the goodness and the victory of Jesus Christ in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. So this morning, I'm going to give you, uh, I'll tell you what my little outline is. I'm not sure if we're going to get to the end of it. Uh, we, we, we'll just see how that works. I'm giving you a premise. The, the, a premise, a call it uh, making my case, uh, uh, making an argument, if you will, of what I'm telling you. Because in the scriptures it doesn't say pum, pum, pum. But in the scriptures it says such and so, and then you draw conclusions from what I'm from my, for, to have my premise. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay? So, uh, let me think of an example. I, I don't have an example this moment, this moment but um, a premise that. Um, Anyway, you'll get it in just a second when I, when I get there. Then I'm going to give you a definition that I came up with for biblical encouragement. 
then I'm going to give you some scriptures. Because without the scriptures, I have nothing. Right? Because then I'm just, then I'm just basing my case on sinking sand. Fluffy stuff, air, that, that has no, no, no foundation. The scriptures are the foundation. So that is what I'm basing my premise on. And if not, I have nothing to show you. I have nothing to offer you. Are you with me? And then I'm going to give you some biblical illustrations that tell you why I'm coming to this conclusion, my premise. And then lastly, I will, I'm sorry, I will give you an assignment. <laughs> I thought you'd be happy. Oh, an assignment. Praise the Lord, Pastor. We got a, you're giving us an assignment. <laughs> I won't be here for it. <laughs> no, I, I give it to you. And I got your Facebook and email and text, brother. I, I know how to do that stuff. Even though my, my phone, I need to get a, a, a different phone. I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved because if I were not saved, I would have chunked that phone. Boom, like that. <laughs> but I'm saved, so I don't do it. Uh, the Lord is with me. Uh, so, then... So my premise is this, that biblical encouragement has something to do about making you feel better, but primarily that it has to do with people doing the will of God and feel good about that. Let me, let me give it to you one more time. That biblical encouragement has something to do with making someone feel better, something to do, but primarily it has to do with people doing the will of God and feel better about that than just feeling better. Are you with me? Okay? Thank you. And then secondly, that every believer should be an encourager. Okay? I'm not saying that every believer is going to be up all the time. Then there would not be any need for encouragement because <laughs> you encourage people who are down. If everybody was up all the time, there wouldn't be any need for encouragement. But God knows that that is not true. There are circumstances that bring people down a little bit, and they need brothers and sisters to come alongside to encourage them. And the, the word alongside is the very word that is in parakaleo. The word parakaleo is made up of two words, para and kaleo. Para means alongside. Kaleo means call. So when you, I parakaleo you or you parakaleo me, you come alongside on a call, and the, 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 the purpose of that alongside coming is to encourage me. And once again, when you are going to encourage me, you are going to encourage me in the ways of the Lord. It is not just to make me feel good. Oh, Brother Kenny, you're such a nice brother. <laughs> okay? No. You encourage me by directing me in the way of Jesus. That is biblical encouragement. So, uh, parakaleo. An example is, for, for example, is I, I was born in a country called Suriname. Suriname. We say Suriname. You don't have that sound in English. U, Suriname. But you can try. But, uh, so, Suriname. The capital of which is Paramaribo. Paramaribo. Can you say Paramaribo? <laughs> You have to roll the R in there. Paramaribo. Paramaribo. Okay. It's made up of, 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 of the words para, para, and maribo. Now, when I, when I say the word ribo, 
Is there a word that pops in your mind that reminds you of, that is analogous, so to speak? Huh? River. Rio. Ribo. The people in the original country, they call it Ribo. So Paramaribo is, just as it is in reality, the city alongside the river, Paramaribo. Paramaribo is the city alongside the Suriname River. I loved walking along that river for many different reasons. So Paramaribo. So that word para is a big, is a big word over here. And the word parakaleo has the same root as parakletos, or sometimes we say in English, paraclete. Do you know what paraclete stands for? You don't have to know. This is, this is not a quiz or whatever. You don't get, get any points. It, it stands, paraclete stands for Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Parakletos is the original language. You don't have to know that either. I'm just, I'm not even showing off. I'm just telling you to, because when you read the word paraclete, then you need to know, because sometimes they don't say the word Holy Spirit, they say the word paraclete. Um, so then you know it's the Holy Spirit. So then, if, if the Holy Spirit, who is in you, he is going to always direct you to Jesus. Is that true? That is his job. He glorifies Jesus. He glorifies Jesus in you and in me and in through you and through me. That is his job. The Father has given him that job. That's not the only job. He's also, the Holy Spirit is also our teacher and our guide and our reminder and our revealer. And the one who glorifies Jesus in us. He's our guide. Let me, let me just give you a couple of, of these things that, so you see what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. He's our guide so that... Have you ever taken a tour with a guide? Yes? When you have a guide, they take you to, through a place strategically as to what they think that you should see first, and what they think that you should see last. Make sense? If they show you the biggest attraction at first, the rest is a downer. So they don't do that. They go step by step till the maximum. Wow. Wow. This is wonderful. So uh, I've had several tours in my life by guides. Uh, one tour I got on the Red Square in Russia, in Moscow. And you saw anything from, you know, the biggest, you know, Russians, what they want to do, they want to make everything big. Uh, like, including the biggest bell that never rang. <laughs> they made the, the bell so big, and, they, and, and that time, years ago, they couldn't even raise the bell up the tower. It was so big and so heavy. They had no wherewithal to do it. So it sat on the ground. <laughs> the biggest bell that never rang. So they took you through a tour. and It was strategic how they took you through this tour so that ultimately then they showed you the, the jewelry and, and these type of things in the museum type thing 
uh, 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 that they had over there in, in the palace. So a guy, the Holy Spirit then, he doesn't, he doesn't give us how much we are going to suffer sometime in the future. I'm not saying that you're going to suffer, but if that were the case, because it is quite possible, right? Uh, uh, I, just, I just refer to me that way. <laughs> I don't threaten you. Uh, he, he doesn't, when I have just received Jesus Christ, he has not shown me, now, you know, in about 20 years, you're going to suffer like crazy for Jesus. He, he goes to me step by step. He teaches me about Jesus. He teaches me about salvation. He teaches me about the joy. He teaches me about the peace. He takes me step by step. He teaches me about loving. He teaches me about loving my brothers and my sisters. He teaches me about loving my wife and my children. He teaches me a lot of things, little by little. And then he brings me into areas of, ah, maybe suffering. We glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation works with patience and patience and experience. And experience hope. And this hope makes us not ashamed because the love of God is set abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given unto us. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulations. He doesn't teach you those things on day one. So, anyways, he's our guide. So he has different functions that the Father has given him so that he can lead and guide us. He is our greatest encourager, our greatest encourager, uh, and pointing us to Jesus. This is what he does, parakletos. So, if the paraclete, the parakletos, is always guiding us to Jesus. So let me ask you this question. Would you like to have a ministry that resembles the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Is there anything better than that? Well, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, okay. That, that is in the future. But right now here on earth, there is no better thing than having a ministry that resembles the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is to say that if the Holy Spirit is directing people to Jesus Christ, then my ministry should be to direct people to Jesus Christ. Not only unbelievers. We're not talking about a lot of unbelievers. Yes, you want to lead them to Jesus Christ, but do you have a lot of opportunity to do that? Here and there. Even in a, when you go to a restaurant, you have maybe you want to talk to the waitress about Jesus, and you have just a few minutes because she's busy otherwise. And she's not going to stand there talk, talk, listening to you talking about Jesus unless you go there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon when she's not busy. And that's possible. I've done that before. I've, you know, built a relationship by having just normal lunch and, 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 and gave her a fat tip and told her uh, uh, some nice things, good service, blah, 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 blah knowing that I want to come back and share Jesus with her. So the next time I go, I go at 2 o'clock. So now I know she's not busy. I get to talk to her. So, but it's not just about unbelievers. It is also about believers. To point believers to Jesus Christ. Not for salvation, but just for power. Just for direction. Just for strength. Just for encouragement. Just for peace. Just for joy, just for love. 
so that they might experience this. Uh, not because somebody is showering it upon them, which is possible, but because they are showering it upon somebody else. So, uh, the Holy Spirit. So that is what I want in my life, to have the ministry like the Holy Spirit, encouraging other people. Parakaleo. So, uh, if I'm talking to a husband, and he is not loving his wife, Sometimes he even thinks he's loving his wife, but neither here nor there. That's what Paul says sometimes. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. Don't play act it. Do it. Don't play act it. And love is not something that happens, okay, I love you for the next 15 minutes, <laughs> and then something happens and it's over. <laughs> You know, uh, this is what the struggle is with parents and children often. Okay? I wanted my children to know when I told them that when Jesus came in my life and gave me the Holy Spirit and filled me with unconditional love, when they had an F, or my daughter didn't get the trophy, or my son didn't get the trophy, they lost in the first round, I loved them the same as when they had the trophy or when they had A pluses. Because this is called agape, Paul taught on it this morning, is unconditional love. There's no conditions to this kind of love. It is the same. So when I talk to a husband who is not loving his wife, I'm not trying to make him feel good about not loving his wife. I try to counsel him, that is part of the word parakaleo, and encourage him, so that he would love his wife, and when he leaves the counseling session, that he would feel good about trying to love his wife. He doesn't leave the counseling session, otherwise I didn't do my job. He doesn't leave the counseling session. So. Pastor said I have to love my wife. Okay, I'm hoping that after I counsel with him, he is a beat. He... He, he, he gets out of the counseling session, sort of like this. <laughs> keep on dreaming, Kenny, keep on dreaming. <laughs> he leaves the counseling session. Oh, I get to love my wife now. So, that is what I mean by encouragement. I send them to Jesus. I direct them so that they can love their wives like Christ loved the church. Actually, that's a scripture. <laughs> Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Amen. Gave himself for her. That is to say, he sacrificed himself. But I find that today, nobody, no, I shouldn't say that. Few people are willing to sacrifice themselves for somebody else. But as the husband, oh, I, this is not the husband and wife seminar. I'll get off of it in just a second. But the husband is responsible for the atmosphere in the home so that this is a godly environment. 
He is responsible for it. Not the wife. The wife has responsibility in following the lead of the husband. So husbands, lead them to Jesus. Anyways, I, I get off of that. So now I'm doing the second point. My definition of biblical encouragement. In a broad sense, it means, in a broad sense, it is to stimulate others to do the will of God and for them to feel good about it. I feel good about it too, but I'm, I'm trying to encourage them, so I'm speaking about them now. Uh, in a broad sense, to stimulate others to the will of God and for them to feel good about it. So let me break that down a little bit. We talked about in the broad sense, that includes obviously a lot of areas of life. That's what I mean by the broad sense. In a broad sense, in all areas of life, which there are many, to encourage, to stimulate others to do the will of God. Stimulate others, that is to say, uh, to encourage, to admonish, to counsel, to exhort other people, to stimulate them uh, to do the will of God. Uh, there is a scripture, and later on, I might, I might talk a little bit more about it. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says, Iron sharpened iron, so a man sharpened the countenance of his friend. Iron sharpened iron. Yes? So a man sharpened the countenance of his friend. In other words, his, your friend's countenance was not sharp. His countenance was sort of like this. Uh, and now you, you sharpen him up a little bit. And then his countenance is like this. I'm talking to my grandchildren about body language. You know there's a language that just about anybody understands? Body language. You don't even have to say a word. How economic is that? You know, and they understand everything you do, you're showing. So I asked my granddaughter, Sophia is her name. Sophia, sweetheart, I want to talk to you a little bit about body language. Do you know something about body language? She says, yes, I think so. Well, give me an example, darling. Uh, well, I can't think of Well, Let me give you an example first. When I go like this, what, what, what am I saying to you? Oh, that you're happy. When I go like this, what do I say to you? Oh, that you said. See, she understands it. She was then seven years old. She understood the language. Body language. Um, so, iron sharpened iron, so a man sharpened the countenance of his friend. So, iron sharpened iron. So, immediately, when I... <laughs> and these days, you don't want to bring a knife to church, baby. <laughs> I had I had two big ones like this in my drawer. Say, oh, I, oh somebody sees me walk in the church with those. What are they going to do? <laughs> so I borrowed these from our kitchen over here. I, I wrapped them in paper. <laughs> so iron sharpened iron. There immediately there comes the idea, the issue of proximity. It is a big issue in encouragement, but it is it is not that you cannot. Uh, encourage somebody from a distance because I do that all the time. 
you know, I sent you a text and I encouraged you. That's normal. You're over there. I'm over here. You might even be in a different country. Have you heard of something called WhatsApp? WhatsApp? I can call or text in, in Ghana, Africa, just like that. Beep, 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 beep on WhatsApp for free. So they are far, far away to fly from Atlanta to the capital Accra in Ghana, nine hours. They are far away. Yet I get to communicate and I get to encourage them. But the best way of encouraging is when there's close proximity. We'll get to that if we have time. We may not have time. But then we go to the second half next week. Because I'm not just point two and there's five points. Okay, so we're talking about then a broad sense, stimulating others. And to do the will of God. To do the will of God. That is what this life is all about. And that is what discipleship and disciple making is all about. To stimulate other people to do the will of God. You know what our discipleship programs are in the churches? We are asking the people to read about the will of God. And hardly ever asking them to do the will of God. So the idea is that after you read about the will of God, that you would do the will of God. Does that make sense? Well, that's what I tell the husbands, or the wives, or the brothers, or the sisters, or the youth. When you know what to do, go do it. God is asking you to do it. Last week we talked about, what did we talk about last week? Reconciliation. I didn't want you to know more about reconciliation. I wanted you to go do it. If there is somebody to be reconciled with, go do it. That was the whole purpose. It was not for you to know more about reconciliation. There's nothing wrong with you knowing more about reconciliation. But if you don't do it, I didn't do anything. And neither did you. Amen. You have more knowledge that you can talk to somebody else about reconciliation, but it's not about talking about people about reconciliation. It's about talking to them about it and doing it. My dear brothers and sisters, if we don't do it, we're wasting a lot of time and we're wasting a lot of opportunity for spiritual power that God wants us to have. Then thirdly, uh, fourthly, uh, and feel good about it. The idea is that you would help people in such a way that when you're asking them to do the will of God, that they would feel good about it. This is what the Holy Spirit would want them to, to, to be like. To do the will of God and be joyful about it, no matter how difficult it is. Last week we confessed that reconciliation is not always easy. Matter of fact, I would say it is rarely easy. But it sure feels good. Because once we obey, God brings victory and joy in our lives. That is, is that what you want? But the flesh keeps telling you, hey, you know what? Hey, at least let them meet you halfway. There's no halfway with this. Did, did Jesus come halfway? Excuse me. 
He came all the way. And then some. So, anyways. So, and feel good about it. Remember my premise. That biblical encouragement has more to do with the will of God and feeling good about that. Than it has to, to do with just feeling good. And secondly, that every believer should be also an encourager. Everyone needs encouragement. God knows that we have ups and downs in our lives. And then he says that, that as believers, that we should be encouragers. And it is true that not everybody is going to be an encourager all at the same time. Because while I might have a high, you might have a low. Then I'm supposed to come alongside of you and help you up. That's the way it works. Me or somebody else that is more, is closer to you, more proximity, maybe. So, God knowing that we all need encouragement sometime, he wants us all to be encouragers. Because when there's more encouragers, there is a better chance that his body is healthy. Spiritually. But unfortunately, the spiritual often bleeds over into the physical and the emotional. Yes? You familiar with this? Yes? That if you're spiritually poor, what, what, what would it mean to be spiritually poor? Huh? Lack of faith? Okay. Lack of faith. Yes? That, that, that's a good one. And I don't even want to even go. It ultimately, it becomes a lack of faith. But when somebody always are anxious over everything and nothing all at the same time, it might go to the emotional part. It might go to the physical part. You wouldn't say something. Prideful? That's another one. Prideful, it eats you up on the inside. Lack of knowledge. You don't even know where you stand. So, uh, it, it bleeds over. So that's why God wants us to be encouragers so we can help our brothers and our sisters so that the body of Christ might be healthy. As Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants a kingdom over here that resembles the kingdom of God, the one in heaven. And the way that is done is the, that, that his disciples, which is us, that we would do the will of God on earth as well. And the kingdom is not visible. It's there, but it's not visible until we do the will of God. Otherwise, it's just floating. When you go as a group of Christians into a restaurant, okay, they need to know that the kingdom of God paid a visit here today. Amen. You don't want to portray that the kingdom of wherever visited over here today. The kingdom of God, because you do the will of God, you are kind to the people, you are friendly to the people, you, 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 you don't, you're not demanding or mean or, or, or belittling or belittling the surface or, or whatever the situation might be. The kingdom of God shows up because you're doing the will of God. If you're not doing the will of God, it hasn't shown up. It's there, but nobody knows. 
So it is about doing the will of God that people find out, ah, the kingdom. So that is why God wants us to be encouragers so we can have uh, the kingdom of God at work. Is this encouraging bit, is it difficult to do? Thank you. There's nothing difficult about it. I told you my cell phone is sorry, but even my sorry cell phone, you know, I can send a text on. If I, in my sorry phone, I can. Now, I, this week, I'm going to get me another phone. I promise you. Uh, <laughs> because you don't want to lose your information Amen. by whatever means, whatever. Uh, so, uh, it is easy. If you know how to email, you can encourage somebody. Text, boom. Facebook, boom. Phone call, boom. Send a card in the mail. Boom. This is not difficult to encourage somebody. So let's do it. Instead of saying, did you read about such and such? Did you hear about such and such? No. Just say, hey, I just want to encourage you to love your wife. Sometimes I send a, a mail to some of my brothers, wherever they are. I say, are you taking care of my sister? Their wife is my sister in Christ. Are you taking care of my sister? <laughs> You're looking like, oh, don't send it to me, Pastor. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is good news. This is good encouragement. <laughs> I want you to go by the way of the Lord. To love your wife like Christ loved the church. <laughs> So, even though God wants us all to be encouragers, He has gifted some of us with the gift of encouragement. It's called a spiritual gift of encouragement. Um, like some of you guys are memorizing Romans, the 12th chapter, in verse, verses 6 through 8, it says like, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him do it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. A spiritual gift of encouraging. Okay? But just like the gift of evangelism, God has gifted some people with the gift of evangelism, and they, when they are around people, they evangelize more readily than maybe that they encourage. But we are all supposed to be evangelists, yes? Or, or let me put it this way. We are all supposed to evangelize. We are all supposed to tell other people about Jesus and, and, and his love and his goodness and so on and so forth. And he can give them eternal life. Um, so just like that, that we all should be encouragers, but God has gifted some people with a particular gift of encouragement. That is what they naturally do. When they are around people, they just naturally encourage Nobody has to tell them to encourage. You know, they just encourage. Hey, brother, how are you doing? Are you loving my sister okay? You... All right, okay. Uh, so, uh, en encouragement. The, the gift versus um, just doing it. Verse 3. Now we're coming to the scriptures. Uh, we are looking at First Thessalonians. Okay, we just want to do just one scripture and then we'll, we'll, we'll be done. There's much, 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 much to talk about. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 
14. 5.14. So, think a little bit about what we have talked about, and then when you read this verse. Now, we, this is the guys that are writing this thing. It is Paul that is writing it, but he has a company of people that he is with, and that he's ministering with to a group of people. And to the Thessalonians, he writes, we are exhorting you. The word exhort over there has to do with the idea of, of stimulating, the idea of, of, of uh, uh, encouraging. We exhort you, brethren. These are the brethren. These are not unbelievers. These are believers. Warn them that are unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. So you have here the idea that, hey, we, we are uh, encouraging you. We are encouraging. It's not just a one one person that is the encourager. The group are encouraging them. And they are encouraging those who may be unruly, those who are faint-hearted. Just like we said. And just like God knows that, I know that God knows that not everybody is always high. Some people are mostly down. It, 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 uh, this is no shame to them. Sometimes the circumstances are such that, you, that, you, that you're just down. And unless a brother comes next to you and, and, and puts a, a stick over there and a support over there so that you can lean against him or her, uh, 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 you know, because you can't do it on your own, you need some support, you know, unless somebody like that comes along, you'll be down in the dumps for a long time. But God has people in the body of Christ that would come along, that should come alongside of you to encourage you. And that's what they're doing over here. He says we, we are encouraging you to, to encourage the faint-hearted, those who have lost a little bit of a spirit. They have lost a little bit of courage. There is a word in the, in the, in the Greek language called ah. Tumeo. A in the Greek is the negative. That means none or no or without. Tumeo is heart. They have lost heart. They are faint-hearted. They have lost, lost courage. I don't know. It doesn't say the reasons over here. When we looked at the book of Hebrews, we saw that there was so much persecution that some of the ones that were considering Christianity were encouraged to go ahead and do it but they understood very well that it was going to be persecution. So when somebody like that is holding back a little bit, you can say, okay, I, 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 I can understand. But, 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 hey, let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. Look at the saints of old, what they did. And on that basis, let me encourage you. Look how, what Jesus did. On that basis, let me encourage you. Make that step. Make that step. It is worth it. Uh, so support, support the weak. Be patient toward all men. It is here the idea of encouraging people to, to encourage. To encourage people to encourage. Excuse me. That, that's what I'm doing this morning. <laughs> Encouraging you to encourage. Yes, sweetheart. Yes, sweetheart. Yes, sweetheart. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. I think I'm going to 
stop there-ish. So let me finish up with, with saying this, that to be able to encourage others is like the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You have the Spirit of God within you. And he wants to make you an encourager. Just yield to him and become one. And become one. So I'm going to jump a little bit. And I'm going to my, to my, my, my end part, part over here. Because what I haven't done yet, I'm going to do next week. But I'm going to jump to the end and say to you, uh, let me give you an assignment. Yeah. So one person says, yes. Thumbs up, he said, oh, two, three, okay. Isaiah. He's got the name, baby, Isaiah. A great prophet. So, say it again. Last night, hey, what an example. She was praying for an assignment. The assignment is this, brothers and sisters. To wherever you are. To encourage people. We said that real biblical encouragement is to, to point them toward Jesus. I will give you slack, a little slack, this week to say, even if it is just to make them feel good. Amen. For the purpose of sometime later being able to tell them about Jesus. Okay? Let's, let's go that route. So even if it is just to make them feel better. Uh, hey, you know, I, I'm sorry you're not feeling so good, but uh, I just want to encourage you. Let, let, let me pray for you. Brother Joe is the, is the master at this. He just prays just like that, just like that. You give him something, hey, you know, hey, Brother Joe, my, my back, oh, you can't even finish your sentence. Let me pray for you. You know, uh, and he prays for you. It's not just like, hey, Brother Joe, would you pray for me? He says, I'll pray for you. Then he forgets when he goes home. and no, no, no. He'll pray for you right now. That's him. Praise the Lord. Because you know. Huh? Amen. Amen. So we're praying for boldness. We're praying for opportunity. We don't really ever have to pray for opportunity. Opportunities are there every day. Every day. Unless you stay in your bed all day long. If you are up and you're going around, there are opportunities to encourage people. The lady at the cash register. The lady at the bank. Uh, yesterday, we had a funeral over here in the afternoon, a funeral in the morning. A young lady that I used to, to teach tennis. See, when you ask people questions, listen. So I asked her, hey, how are you doing? There was a little bit of hesitation. And she says, okay. Brothers, that's the opportunity right there. Okay. I say, hey, do, do, I need, do we need to talk about something? I, I, she's a dear, dear friend and a, a student of mine. She's the age of my, my daughter. Her name is Katie. I love Katie. And so she says, no, just pray for me. So uh, there's opportunity all over the place, all over the place. You don't have to look. You go to the bank. You go to the restaurant. You go to the grocery store, wherever. How are you doing today? 
then listen for the answer. If they're saying, well, I'm doing great. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> You're doing great. So I was just asking because, you know, if there was a need, I, I, I'd love to pray for you. It's not difficult. So, um, so let us stand. So the assignment is, wherever you go, you're looking for opportunity to encourage people. You can skip that step and go immediately and point them to Jesus. But if you, okay, I'm a little hesitant, or you don't know them very well, then just make them feel a little bit better about where they are. And then look to maybe sometime in the future that you can talk to them about Jesus. Jesus is the best place in the whole universe.